Hi, and welcome to Dreams with Deadlines, a podcast where you'll hear real stories of trials and victories in business. I'm Jenny Harold, VP of Product Marketing at GTM Hub. Our mission is to prevent organizational hypocrisy. Inspired by the proven objectives and key results goal-setting methodology, GTM Hub offers the most flexible results management system for mission-driven organizations. Check us out at gtmhub.com to learn more. This is a special episode of Dreams with Deadlines. I recently wrapped up a panel discussion which I moderated around diversity and inclusivity. And there were a lot of questions that came out of that conversation that we just couldn't cover during the course of that hour. And we'll cover those here. The other thing is, Batescamp just announced some changes regarding their organization and what people can and cannot talk about at work. And my Twitter feed blew up around this topic. I thought it'd be interesting to hear what Bessie had to say about that. So we're going to kick this off with her thoughts on what Basecamp just announced. Yeah, my first reaction was I want a refund on all of the books I bought from them. Because, um, you know, they, they seem to be the good guys. And now like, oh, okay, so you actually don't care about people's experiences. You know, having those discussions as stressful, unnerving, and counterproductive. I thought that's that's insensitive and cynical. You know, you're in the privileged situation just to be hearing about other people's experiences and saying, yeah, I'm not interested in hearing about them. Well, other people don't have the choice, not just about hearing them, but experiencing them. So... Uh, while someone is dying or a member of their community is being killed by the police force, uh, you're saying that, yeah, sorry, that, you know, that, that's not my, that's not my family. It's not me. Hence, it doesn't matter. And it affects my business badly. That's, that's dark. Um, when, when you're a leader and an employee comes in, and they're going through something like this. A member of their community is going through that. And the PTSD isn't just experienced by the immediate family of, you know, of yet another person being killed. It's, it's, it's experienced by all ethnic minorities or racial minorities at that moment. Um, there is so much intergenerational trauma when, you know, when uh, all of your predecessors have been enslaved and because and i'm saying oh because you you probably don't know you know you're like there are actually no records of where your family comes from like maybe you know it's like west africa but like you don't know you don't you don't know anything about their achievements you don't know anything so there is so much erasure of your culture and then you're systematically oppressed abused killed and of course, something like that is extremely triggering. So, like, what's next? Just saying, hey, we're not—we're only hiring uh, people who have not gone through any trauma, so they don't get uh, triggered at any point by anything. So they have—they're in an extreme point of privilege, so that it doesn't affect productivity. Um, we all go through hard things, and we all need to like support each other it's it's a it's a human it's a basic thing and i think you and i were talking about this like if you come to work and you're you're you you've had a horrific experience or just a bad experience that you know we don't need to have uh, someone being killed to you know 
uh, acknowledge the, the, the depth uh, and the severity of those problems. You come into work, something bad has happened to you. You should feel comfortable to mention it. Obviously, it affects your productivity. But on how I respond to your experience, that either worsens the situation or you feel hurt and understood and supported. But if I say, uh, Jenny, it's it's probably not what you think that actually happened. Like I can be gaslighting you and validating you or just as base camper basically doing it now saying, no, 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 you, you should not talk about this. You need to schedule it in your free time to 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 mention it if if you if you want to talk to someone about it, but not at our account. This cannot be our expense. To tie into some of the questions, because I think this actually is a nice segue into what we've seen or had heard from the folks that had joined us for that roundtable discussion on DNI. Someone had experienced just this, where a man had opted out from joining the Diversity Advisory Council because of the literature that they were required to read, which included things like critical race theory and uh, subjects like talking through or understanding LGBTQ+. And so due to his person, this man's religious beliefs, he had opted out. What do you think about this? Like how should someone either you know, in a position of authority in that organization who could do something about this, respond to that person. People have a different level of how religious or spiritual they are or or not being any of that. But I think it's bringing them back to the foundation. Uh, are we coming from a place of respect, kindness? We don't have to approve, but we can accept. So if someone is, let's say, gay, they're not asking you to approve of them. So if your religion, whatever it is, is disapproving of someone being gay you don't approve them like i don't need someone's approval on the fact that i have blue eyes or that i bought a new chair or that where i want to go on a holiday just just accept my choices you don't have to like comment on them but they shouldn't you know my blue eyes should not be um like how are they exactly jeopardizing your well-being or me being gay, how is it jeopardizing your religion? It 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 doesn't, unless you feel like it does. But it, technically, me being gay <laughs> doesn't affect other people's lives. So I think helping people see the difference between acceptance and approval, or like respect, uh, on on the other side to be uh, to to also be aware that maybe they don't want to be exposed. A religious person maybe doesn't want to be exposed to gay people because part of them believes in, you know, uh, love thy neighbor. But being exposed to a community that they they feel they disagree with, what if they actually they actually like that community? It doesn't mean that they will be gay. But what if what if my religion is telling me gay people were bad, and I meet gay people and they're not bad? That's a that's a very complex internal conflict. So it's easier for me, it's safer for me not to engage in that. There, there is a level of respect. They don't have, I'm not asking them to do something outside of their, uh, something that might feel disrespectful to their beliefs, but they are respecting me in the first place. So it, it builds that like safety. Um, yeah. Thoughts? I mean, that's a, that's a tough one because... 
far be it for me to understand every religion that exists on the planet so that I could be, speak intelligently about whether or not whatever it is that I may or may not represent lines with that worldview, right? But I think I like the simplicity of the idea where, well, we're here now. <laughs> you came here. I came here. What we're trying to do, at least with this diversity advisory council, I imagine that one of their maybe tenets is, is as you have described before, as one of the a values you can implement in organizations that we all belong to this thing now. Right. And in order for us to be able to work effectively with one another, perhaps what we need to be able to do is make space to to acknowledge, like you said, to uh, it doesn't mean that I necessarily have to agree with you, but that I can acknowledge what you what who you believe you are, what you represent, your ideals, whatever that might be. And at the end of the day, that mutual respect that mutual baseline of we all belong we're here now we have something that we need to go get done maybe that would promote more diverse thoughts on how to solve some of maybe the, the difficult challenges we might be navigating through you know from a from a really interesting vantage point which arguably i think both you and i agree we, we're going to do it better together these councils serve, I, I suppose, these groups of people who are trying to create that safe space, mm -hmm. that that place of mutual respect, that place of not necessarily, I, I don't necessarily would say that I completely understand everyone, but at least I would welcome the, the conversation. And if I got a different vantage point, that may or may not change my mind, but at least I'm informed. And I think we would agree that having more information is better than living in ignorance, especially if like our number one thing in business is supposed to make the business money. And the number two thing is let's hire the best possible talent. Well, one would imagine that the best possible talent might come from everywhere and we need to be able to negotiate through our similarities as much as our differences. And that should be okay. Someone asked a question about universal design as a part of DNI. I thought that was such a great question. Like what kind of discussions are you seeing happen as a result of, uh, of DNI, DEI conversations and building product or just, it doesn't even have to be technology, just anything that we're going to market with. What kind of discussions are you seeing where that's the intersection? Now, we see companies like Microsoft and we had their accessibility lead, Ricardo, to join. Ricardo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he talked about it. But it's not only for those big companies. It actually doesn't take much time at all to check, is your color palette accessible to people not just uh people who are colorblind but when there is light falling on your screen you know we're we're all outside you know like iphones whatever there is light you can't always fix everything with how bright your screen is you can to an extent adjust that but when it's bright or when it's dark what's the level of contrast that what people see on your website app whatever that they can use is it hmm. can, can they see it yeah that, that's it 
you can run the palette online, takes a few seconds, and you will see how it will look for different people with color blindness. So test that and see how it will look for basically everyone. The better the contrast, the better it is for everyone. Same with fonts we use. Again, changing the color palette and the fonts isn't such a huge effort first to check and then to implement. Now, if you're a retail store or a telecom and you have you know, the, the physical uh, stores are like lots and lots of products, it might take some time to implement that. But usually you're, you're making small changes, so you don't have to roll it out all at once. No one expects that when you change your logo to also like roll out everything at once. No one does that. Um, so you can be, you can do it in a, in a few cycles. But now with the fonts, it's similar. Do you have fonts that are friendly to people with dyslexia? So what that means is um, I, L, and 1 don't appear as the same symbol. In many fonts, the majority of the fonts, it's the same symbol or they're almost identical. So pick fonts that are actually friendly to people with dyslexia, which makes it readable to anyone so if you have maybe older users or again maybe it's the example in the sun you know if, if if my contrast is damaged when i'm looking at the screen anything that helps my readability is helpful it's mm. that basic now um, yeah. we, were, we were talking about you know permanent temporary and situational disability or a lack of ability to do something you know you don't have to be like missing a limb to 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 not be able to do something. You can have a, an arm broken, or you can be holding like heavy bags on your way back from or groceries. A baby, a baby. Moms who are holding their children or parents. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, many many doors here in in uh, in in Ireland, for example, when you're leaving a building complex, you need to press a button with one hand and then pull the door with your other hand. Well, what if I don't have two hands or two arms or I, I'm just carrying heavy bags or I just broke my arm or I'm carrying a baby? Why does it need to be like it, it just needs to be taken into account when it's designed in the first place? So if thinking about accessibility or universal design by like age and, and our size or like ability, whatever is is our second nature, it's very cheap to implement. If it's an afterthought, then we might feel like we're choosing between those features that should be just foundational, like basics, and developing actual new features. So there, there are lots of free tools, a few clicks. You can see where you are. Like if you're evaluating the security of your business, like cybersecurity, there, there are tools that with a few clicks will tell you what to look at. Similarly with accessibility, a few clicks, and you can see where you are and actually fixing it is not that hard. Now, it when it goes into, let's say, uh, like voice options or like screen options, it gets a bit more complicated for people with, let, let's say, impaired vision or impaired hearing. That will require some time to build for, let's say, a software product. But okay, you know, you don't have to do everything at once. Get on that journey and start employing people with disabilities because they will be able to help you do that faster instead of you kind of guessing how to solve a problem that you don't have. And, you know, it will be hard to replicate that. So, yeah, it's just a, it's just a win-win. You get to the market and you have a better solution that benefits everyone. So someone said, and I, I actually really appreciated this question because it kind of came uh, like left of center of you. What do you think about 
colleges and universities having anti anti-racism statements and are creating anti-racism trainings like I read this question I have a response to this but I'm curious from from you our expert yeah how about we 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 start in that from like school age or like kindergarten because these are like if a child that is from an ethnic or racial minority experiences racism at age five or seven or whatever it, it it only makes sense that everyone else is familiar with the concept. How is how is a black kid or an Asian kid or whatever um, old enough to be experiencing that? But another kid is not old enough to understand that this is problematic. They're the same age. Okay, last question. How do we make sure? Ah, oh, it's because I thought it was a wonderful conversation. I think this person agreed. How do we make sure that all the nice things we discuss and the slogans that we proudly recite don't stay in the classroom and on walls, but we start to actually live and breathe them? So I think this person, in in essence, is saying, let's not be hypocrites. Let's actually practice what we preach. We say all these wonderful things. Are we actually living that out so that we're not hypocritical? How do you think we can start to live it out? You might laugh, but I think the answer is OKRs. So we focus on the key results, but and we keep daily an eye on the objectives. So the, the objectives keep us um, in check, whether we're, you know, just growing numbers, whatever, with the, with the key results, or we're actually doing it for the purpose of why we started and, and whether, you know, reflecting on whether that is the very objective. Is there something bigger? or deeper or better that our objective should be. Mm. You know, if the objective is to look good, and maybe we're a company that that's the level of why diversity and inclusion is important for us, then you know what? Let's at least be honest and put the objective is to look good. And then, the, the you know, uh, the key results can be around press releases or like, I don't know, mentions uh, that are positive with a positive sentiment. Because otherwise, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Basecamp wouldn't be scoring <laughs> well on this one but uh you know l- at least let's be honest with ourselves why we're doing something it, if uh, if we're doing it because we can we want to create a happier healthier environment for people so they can learn uh faster perform better engage more stay with us longer then you know we, we can have specific key results for each one of those measure them separately and the objective is clear, but it's a very different objective. And uh, w- w- then we go for completely different key results. So, you know, if we want to be voted uh, an em- like an employer of the year, but we actually don't want to do the work, then we don't need to have employee benefits. We, I don't know, pay hackers to, to, to hack the system, right? So, you know, what's your objective and what are the key results that are in touch with, with your values? Well, thank you so much for your time, Betsy. This is, oh gosh, like I could talk to you for hours about this. Thanks for having me back, Jenny. That's it for this episode of Dreams with Deadlines. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and share. Show notes can be found on gtmhub.com slash radio. If you want to learn more about our product and services, head out to gtmhub.com. If you have questions that you'd like answered on the show, shoot us an email at radio at gtmhub.com. Tune in next time.